Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Escape the ordinary with green and blacks. Wildly deliciously organic sponsor of the moments that made me the weekend podcast a rich intense chocolate to savor hello and welcome to the moments that made me this is a podcast that asks people not where they are now but rather how they got there i'm vicky may editor of the weekend magazine at the irish examiner and your host. This podcast took shape because of our times. 2020 has been a year of reflection. We're forced to live in the now, and we can't make plans too far ahead. So many of us find ourselves looking back. Here, we ask people to do just that, to take a walk through their lives and pick the key points, good or bad, personal or professional, that shaped their lives. The moments that made them. Dervil O'Rourke was a professional track athlete for 12 years. She travelled all over the world, competing in sprint hurdles, including three Olympic Games, with the highlight of her career being crowned world champion in 2006 in Moscow. She turned her focus elsewhere after the Olympic Games in 2012. She went to the Dublin Cookery School and with her experience as a professional athlete, wrote a best-selling healthy cookbook, Food for the Fast Lane, followed by The Fit Foodie. She went on to create Dervil.ie, a one-stop website for health and well-being with fitness classes and nutritious recipes. She realised, she says in this website, that her love of food, fitness and focus could be used to make her feel like her best self and she wants to help others achieve that too. Dervil still writes about food in her weekly column in the Irish Examiner. She is a team coach on RTE's Ireland's Fittest Family, returning in January, and we'll talk more about that later. But most important of all, she is mum to two kids, five-year-old Daphne and one-year-old Archie. Derval, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to be here. Any excuse for a chat, to be honest, is great for me. <laughs> I know, we, we miss it, don't we? Um, you write your weekly column for us and you have a very similar message in your website, derville.ie. Um, I, I think it's been a real lifeline for people during lockdown and you've taken a really holistic approach uh, to our lives. You're talking about mindfulness, food to boost your immune system, really simple exercises you can do at home. It's, it's very achievable advice. Um, you might just say, you know, go out and get a walk, get some fresh air. But I'm just wondering, though, have you taken that advice yourself and how has 
lockdown and the last few months been for you? I would say I have to consciously remind myself to take the advice that I create all the time for everybody else. Um, because I think I am like everybody else in that I put myself quite low down on my to-do list. And I know it makes perfect sense that I should be minding myself because I always think, you know, if I was out of action, you know, if I was sick or I was just not able like the whole house would probably fall apart and I don't want to give myself yeah, loads of credit there. It's the oxygen there. mask on the airplane, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm, 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 I love creating all the content and I love finding different experts to work with who I know will enhance people's lives with really simple measures. And then I think for me during lockdown, I had to very much go, come here, like you need to start minding yourself because this is crazy. It's, extremely stressful it's very unprecedented and I think I think we'll all look back on this year and this period and really feel like we we're under so much more pressure and stress that maybe we realized at the time um so I was definitely bad in lockdown one like I was in total survivor mode I had no childcare for a period of time two small kids you know like a year and a half he Archie turned one during the first lockdown and like most one-year-olds, he's just like wired to the moon, um, which is great, but also hard if you're trying to do anything Absolutely, else, yeah. you know, like like respond to an email and keep him alive at the same time. You're trying to prioritize, which is mo- more important, obviously, keeping him alive. Um, so I had him, then I had my five-year-old. My husband was working full time. He's in the financial service. Out of the house. Yeah, he was out of the house for a lot of it. Um, so Durable, I, that's hard. It was very hard. It was really, really hard. And I kind of stopped probably taking care of myself and I started just being like surviving. Like, okay, what do we need to do today? Like, how many minutes can I get the kids to distract, be distracted so I can get some work done? Um, and, you know, outside and you can't of- distract a one-year-old, Derville. Like, there's no distracting a child that's small. Plus, you're probably trying to homeschool a five-year-old as well. I was really lucky in that she hadn't started school. So... Ah. I was one of the lucky people and she hadn't started school, so she's in Montessori. So I think day one, I had this deluded vision that I would be like doing Montessori stuff with her um, and it would be lovely and Archie would just be doing all these crafts and it would be fantastic. And then I realized about 20 minutes into day one, that was not going to be the reality of our lockdown at all. Um, So what I did was I just, I did what I needed to do work-wise and then you know, I just tried to keep the show on the road with everything. And I I definitely, my own kind of health and well-being took a hit during it. I found it really hard, really stress. One of the most stressful periods of my life, I think, because at the best of times, I feel like I'm juggling the kids with work and life. And it's something that I want to do because I'm very ambitious. But at the same time, I'm always trying to find that balance of, you know, what's really important to me, what matters to me. And and I find I was actually getting to quite a good place with that before lockdown. And then lockdown happened and trying to balance and juggle that without any of your support structures was just extremely, extremely tough. And then you kind of don't want to be moaning and complaining about it because, you know, there's so many people in so many harder positions. So like, I was trying not to have a whinge about but it. But I think, Derville, this this is why it kind of largely went unspoken, because we all felt guilty about giving out about it. Yeah. Like, and I think the, <laughs> if the it really affected women, the pandemic, really badly. 
Yeah, I think it did. I really think it did. And I felt like I couldn't um, voice it too much because I had my health. I was at home and, you know, but I think there was still a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and a lack of support. Um, So, yeah, I think it's been an incredibly hard period for those reasons. But then I do think like I came to a point where whereby I just made a decision that like I had to take ownership of minding myself because my one-year-old and my five-year-old are fantastic, but with all the best of intentions, I could be lying on the kitchen floor and they'd only ask me for snacks, you know, like they would, (laughs) they're not going to tell me I need a 20 minute walk. They're not going to say, have you had lunch today? Um, And I was like, okay, I can't wait for that. Um, and my husband's great and he's a dote, but he's in his own world as well. He's like, his his work was very pressurised during that period. So he's trying to keep the show on the road. Work and, and it's different when you're outside the home as well. Oh, totally, totally yeah. different. Um, and he was here for some of it, but just not the amount I was here for. Um, so yeah, like, and I t- once I kind of made that decision that I was going to start taking care of myself again and that everything would be better for that. It was easier to do. And I did start kind of getting back into implementing all that stuff that I do, you know, every week of the examiner and on Derville.e. I did. I started doing it. And actually, funnily enough, I started creating a lot of content that I needed. So I was saying to the the fitness coach we work with, Kate, I was saying, you know what we definitely need now, Kate, is two live workouts a week. Live at about half seven, you know, when people's kids are in bed, mine. Um, You're thinking, this is what I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bespoke for durable. I was like, I will just create things that I need. And actually, yeah. mindfulness is, is fairly new to the site. And that's because I felt like I needed to introduce a bit of that. And I definitely felt like I needed those tools. Um, so once I got back to taking back that bit of ownership, things were definitely easier um, but still, it's still, you know, and we're still, things still are in no way near normal. And I think we have to remember that. Like I, I was trying to say to someone the other day, like Archie is going to be two in March. And the reality is there'll still be a lot of elements of this going on then. So he'll have had two birthdays, like things that I would have been doing. He's been to so few houses, like outside of his own house. Um, you know, play dates, that kind of thing. Like, God love All him. All the like, developmental stuff. Yeah, yeah I his, know. his circle's Normal tiny. Normal milestones. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, when, when Daphne was tiny in that age, like, I, you know, I was going on these trips and meeting people and showing her off to people and bringing her for coffees and doing all that stuff. And so his world is very small. Her world is a bit bigger now because she's in school. But, school, yeah. you know, she just went through a three-week break in school because there was a, a COVID case in the school and they got sent home for two weeks and that was on the back of um, midterm. So that's been quite disrupted as well. So I think it's just, I think I'm at the point now where I'm definitely acknowledging this is not normal. And what do I need to do day to day that make the weeks better? And in the middle of it all too, then you were filming uh, Fittest Family, weren't you? Which is back on air in January. But the hilarious yeah. thing is that you said that was actually a break. <laughs> yeah, I know. 14 hour filming days, which is just crazy. It's so funny. Every year when we do Fittest Family, um, it's really hard. It's really hard work, but it's really brilliant. Like we're always really happy we've done it, but it's really tough at the time. Like the filming days are generally really long. Like uh, some of them are very often 7am till 9pm and that's a long, long day. And it's a long day energy wise, like emotional energy, because you're dealing with people who really want to do well. And if it's going 
badly and you're trying to make sure they're okay. Like you're, it's it's like I felt like I had loads of different adult children um, during filming. But and they're do- like lovely, lovely people. But like they're it means a lot to them. But funnily enough, this year you got to get those pep talks right and everything. Yeah, you're like, God, I don't yeah. say the wrong thing and tell them I'm a bit yeah. tired. Um, <laughs> so this year, though, when it came back, I think we were particularly me, I was really appreciative of it. I was like, oh my God, like, because I had a lot of work cancelled when the pandemic kicked off. So the only work that really continued for me was in one way, which was good because I was so crazy busy with trying to juggle the kids, was the online work and the examiner. But everything else, like anything else that I was doing was pretty much cancelled. So um, when that came back, we were like, oh great, it's back. And then like, it was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to drive away from Cork to somewhere else on my own in the car. Like I had a brilliant time. I was like, oh my God, what podcasts will I listen to? Pity pity this wasn't out. I could have listened wasn't to this. There, yeah. um, you I didn't was, have to feed anyone. I didn't have to. All I had to worry about was feeding myself. It was astonishing. And I had a great old time. I was like, this is joyful. And I adore the kids and I would hate to sound like I don't, but actually that little breakaway, I was happy out, delighted. I was only joking with them because we have to fill them one more thing for it and they only need us for two hours and they gave us five days and I was joking saying, um, I'm, I'll happily, I'll come up for the five days if you want. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, the two, you mightn't get it in two hours. Like, I'm happy no, to no come way, up and no take way. that break for five days. <laughs> so, no, it was, it was a break. Isn't that mad? Um, and if what you're saying there about motherhood and the difficulty of it, that's it's all connected to the first moment that you've chosen for this podcast, the moments that made me. So your first is becoming a mum. Yeah, I think I underestimated, um, <laughs> underestimated had the life changing uh, situation that is becoming a parent. So I had gone to three Olympics, um, gone to three Olympics. I'd been a professional athlete for 14 years. I'd done a lot of things that probably a lot of people wouldn't experience or do. And they, but they were kind of normal to me. So then I suppose when it came to being a mom, I was like, well, everybody kind of really does that. Like a lot of people do it. So how hard can that really be? And I did. And like my best friend um, lives in America <laughs> and she still jokes at me. She rang me when she was in labor with one of her children. And I said to her, come on, like, how like this cannot be that bad like you need to just get through this like just suck it up and she said she wanted to murder me only that she needed to get her child out she would have gotten on a plane and killed me and so from my pregnancy was fine but I really really struggled with my labor my first labor found that really really hard um physically trying to recover from it found it incredibly difficult and felt so responsible for this tiny baby and it just, from the moment she arrived, it just changed the dynamic of our whole life. It was like she was absolutely the center of it. But then we had so many other things going on that we had all always felt passionate about. And I was like, well, where do they fit in now? Um, so I think she, I, I never, I never realized that that would change my life to the point of absolutely the kids are the priority and they're the center of everything. But also, being ourselves and living kind of our own lives and them seeing us doing the things that we care about and that we're passionate about is also really important. And just trying to figure out that juggle, like I never, I I just never honestly thought about it. I was there, it cannot be that hard. It's only a small person, but I found it all incredibly tough, but also on the flip side, incredibly rewarding. Like as in, 
one of my fa- honestly, I wouldn't even say one. Like my favorite conversations at the moment are with my five year old. Like they're just doty and so lovely and pure and so like there's all the lovely stuff but then there is the other stuff of it's like you know I the Michelle Obama podcast I love um I don't know I feel like I'm doing the dirt on you by mentioning another podcast with you but <laughs> I love Michelle it too. Obama's I love pretty it too. I mean she's a pretty global name so I think we can we can mention it but she's okay um she has a quote about uh, becoming a, in a relationship you know is with a baby and it really resonated with me I listened to it recently saying it's like throwing it's like throwing a bomb into a relationship oh, yeah. it's true and it, it, it was like throwing a bomb into everything in my life it was like yeah. oh my god how do we decide who gets to do what now and what how do we decide who gets to prioritize work and I was doing all these things that weren't um just didn't didn't make sense with having a small baby and then it's like what do you decide not to do and I think a big thing between from becoming a mom is I feel very privileged that I'm their mom but I also feel a reality of I cannot have it all so they're the priority but then what can I have and trying to figure that out and you spoke too about that pull between needing a childminder but not wanting the childminder there all the time so you're and I'm the same we've discussed this so many times that I want to do all the school pickups but I still I'm still working you're trying to be all things to to all people it's it's very difficult yeah always like I'm always trying to be all things you know my my childminder came in the other day and she's a dote and she's so important in our lives um the kids love her I know she loves the kids um she's such a support to us and I said to her okay, I have to go. I'm on a Zoom meeting in 10 and 22 minutes. And she was, she was like, am I late? And I was like, no, I just can't manage my life. Like, <laughs> you know, you're not late. Like I'm the problem. I didn't want to, I didn't want to factor in an extra 15 minutes for me for to yourself. be relaxed for myself and yeah. not be with the baby. <laughs> so I got her to come right at the minute I needed her yeah. to be here for work. But don't factor in what I might need to not be running around with my hair on fire, you know? So but it's important to you to work too, Derville, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're careful to, that's part of your identity. So it is important for you to, to, to keep that established, isn't it? It's really important yeah. to me to work because I really enjoy all my work. So one of the big game changers for me in having kids is I stopped doing things that I didn't enjoy because I stood in situations going, I'm not putting my baby to bed because I'm doing this and that's not worth it to me. And I'm fortunate and I realize I'm really lucky that I'm in that position that I work for myself. I, you know, I have my own kind of career that I've carved out in my own lane. Um, so I, it's really important to me. I keep doing things I'm passionate about and I do have that outside kind of world. And also I think with the kids, I want them to see that, you know, mommy and daddy both work. Because for me, that is something that is, I want them to see it's not even work because I think, you know, some of my really good friends are at home all day with their kids and that's way harder. Like It's the hardest work of all. It is the hardest job in the absolute world. So for me, I like the kids seeing that, you know, I'm excited about doing things and, you know, this new project, this journal project that we've just done, like Daphne came home in the middle of filming it today and I was showing her the journal that her name is in it and she was so excited and, you know, that's really important to me. Um, but also I feel like I'm a better parent to them that I juggle work with minding them as well. I think it, I, I do think I'm a better parent for it. Green and Blacks. Wildly, deliciously organic. A selection of ethically sourced flavours combined with a rich cocoa intensity. 
The next moment you've chosen is not making it to the Sydney Olympics. Now, at that stage, how, how old were you? I was in Leaving Cert. I was an old Leaving Cert, though, because I didn't go to school till I was five and to transition here. So I, was, I just turned 19. And um, the Sydney Olympics were this big, massive, to me, they felt massive. Particularly, I think, in Ireland, they were massive because it was Sonia Sullivan going for a medal. Mm, that's and right, yeah. And I had a bit of an outside chance of qualifying and I didn't qualify. And I remember at the time feeling like, oh, it's so unfair on me that I didn't quite, you know, that teenage angst like where you're going, oh, God, it's so unfair. And I started first year college up in UCD, left Cork, went to UCD and I was in college. It was freshers week. The Sydney Olympics was on. I knew lots of people there um, who were competing at it and it made me grow up a little bit. So it made me stop this kind of, oh, I'll just dream about it and it'll happen. It made me go, okay, the reality is this didn't happen because you thought it would be a great thing to happen and it was a fabulous dream. How are you going to make it happen? And it it probably was one of the first times in my life I grew a thick skin and I started to get a bit more into the real world and a bit more like, okay, you want this to happen. How, how, you got to work for it. Yeah, what, you have to do the work. Like you, And what is the work? What does that look like? How can you, you're here sitting in college, you're a fresher, everyone's out in the lash and you're watching the Olympics in the middle of the night, drinking tea. How does, in four years time, when this Olympics rolls into Athens, how are you going to get on the plane? Like, wh- and, and Derville, what does it look like? What is, it, what is life like when you're training, that kind of intensive training as a professional athlete? I'm always fascinated. How much, how much discipline do you need or can you have a bit of fun too? Um, I look back and honestly think a lot of it wasn't that hard, particularly in my college years, because I wasn't, I didn't care really about going out in the complete tear and living that college life. Like I didn't, I, that just wasn't really for me. So because that wasn't for me, I never felt like I was giving that up. And I was always getting my degree and then my postgrad and then I did a master's. I was always doing all that at the same time as my running career. So I wasn't giving up on that kind of those professional things that were important to me, that academic stuff as well. So, I mean, I look back and I go, it's probably not normal for most college students. Like I used to get up, I train at 7 a.m. in the gym then go into college afterwards, then train again in the evening, um, go home, cook dinner, go to bed. And like I lived on campus, so I had loads of friends who weren't um, obviously doing what I was doing in sport. Um, But like I'd be going to bed and they'd be heading off out like, you know, so I definitely had a different life and I was more focused on that. But also the opportunities athletics afforded me, particularly as a girl in sport, because think about it, if you're a female and you want to build a career competing. Well, how many sports can you do that in realistically? Not very many. We're getting better. Um, but for me, from the time I was 14, I was traveling all around the place competing. Then I got a scholarship to college. Then I left college and I was constantly traveling all around the world. Like for 14 years, that was my job. Like, you know, it was to run fast. So Whilst there was loads of dedication and there was loads of stuff that was definitely tough, it was an incredible career to be, it was a massive privilege to have it. It didn't feel like a sacrifice? No, it felt like, honestly, it felt like I got the golden ticket that it was my career. Like it didn't like, and I even look back now and I'm so appreciative of it. Like the lessons it taught me, the doors it opened up, like to this day, nearly everything I would do 
has that bit of an of a print of my athletics career. It has some sort of influence from it, from that time. And that, that drive, because it took drive and ambition. I mean, to be at that young and go, I should be over in Sydney doing this now. Was that just something you were born with, do you think? Is it just, because it's in you now. I see it when I hear you talk about your website and like, I know, I know the ambition and the drive you have. I think I'm very um, goal orientated. So like, I like to go, okay, what can I achieve? But also I'm big into like doing things that I enjoy and have the crack doing. So running to me was never tough in terms of like, it was never a chore to go training, going training. Like if my parents wanted me to do my homework, they had to tell me I couldn't go training. That's, you know, when I was a child, like it was never a punishment. I loved it. Like running for me was like a a feeling of freedom. Like it was like, honestly, I honestly felt like I was like the wind. It's like, how fast can I make my legs go? It's like the world stopped. And then for me now, working for myself is another sense of freedom. So it's like, yes, I work very hard, but also I'm very free to decide what I do in work, what I care about, what I want to put my energy and time into. So I think maybe maybe because of that, I'm quite driven. And then I just pick out these random goals and I'm like, that would be a really cool thing to achieve. And then I'm quite focused on getting there. Derva, where are your medals? Where do you keep everything that you... You know what? I didn't keep them anywhere for years. Um, it's awful to say because I didn't care about them. I always cared about them, but it was more, I did, they never defined me. Like even now I'm like, they were brilliant. I'm so happy I won them. Your medals can never be taken off you. I hope one day a really brilliant Irish girl breaks my records. That would be brilliant. I, but I'll keep the medals. So that's fine. So now I, a few, maybe two years ago, um, I went into, they'll be delighted I'm giving them a shout out, and bought <laughs> in Casey's in Cork. I went in and I saw this coffee table and had glass on it. So I said, hmm, can you lift that glass off? And they said, yeah, but it's heavy. So I said, okay, so I bought it and I put the medals into the coffee table. So. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. So wow. like you can, they're there and I think they're, I think the coffee table's in the other room at the moment, but so the kids can kind of see them, but they're not like, they're not hanging on the wall and they're not. This like, I don't know. They're, they're like part of your life. They're, they're part, part of your my, day, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're part of yeah. my life, but they're not my entire life. You know, that career wasn't my entire life. And that's something I've always cared about. I've cared about moving on and doing other things and being really grateful for it and looking back and being like, God, that was a laugh. And like, I can't believe I got so much out of it. But then moving on. And does Daphne know what you achieved? Does she get it? I know Archie's too young. Um, I don't, I really don't know, does she get it at all? Like she's getting to the point where people say things to her. Um, but she's very funny. Like Annalise Murphy, the Olympic medalist in ro- in rowing. Oh my God, she'd kill me. Sailing. My husband will divorce me. He can't ever <laughs> listen to this. Um, in sailing um, has been here, you know, and Daph has met her. And <laughs> I've said to Daphne, you know, Annalise is like, the fastest girl in the world at sailing a boat. And like, because, you know, Daphne's daddy sails boats as well. Like, that's a big thing to her. She's really into that. And she's just looked at me and said, um, no, I'm faster than her. <laughs> so, and she's obviously cannot sail a boat. Like, but so... Durable number two yeah, coming so, up the ranks. And it makes me laugh. And then when I I've it. tried to talk to her about my running, myself, she says... Um, she stops and she literally runs whatever room we're in. She runs from one side to the other to show me her running. So she's still, t- and when, so I think when, pe- I think she knows on some level that, and like sometimes we'll be places and people might recognize me. Um, 
but she doesn't, yeah, it doesn't quite land. She doesn't like, and we, like she would, ne- we've never watched Fittest Family with her. So she doesn't know that world at all. The next moment you've chosen, which I assumed it was something completely different. You said it was the plane journey home from Beijing, from the Olympics. And I assumed, oh, that was when she met her husband, Peter, and you know, how lovely she wants to tell their love story and how they met. And then when we caught up, there's actually another layer to this, which is really lovely. And it says even more about your relationship. Do you want to... Yeah, so when I left the Beijing Olympics, I was devastated. Uh, Professionally, I had bombed out. I I had a chance of winning a medal and the year went, lots of things went wrong in the year. Um, And I was devastated. Like, I I mean, and to this day, it's the only medal I haven't really won, I think. Um, So I was devastated. So I went on the plane and we were sitting next to each other and we didn't know each other really. He had briefly talked to me in the closing ceremony and I was in horrendous form like and um he's he started having a chat with me and I I basically was in like hushed tones because the whole plane was full of Irish people who were on the Olympic team and lots of them on track and I was trying to explain to him how my career was utterly in the toilet so I was there like you don't understand how bad I actually am at running and I this is something I I was really good at and now I'm absolutely it's game over like I'm probably gonna have to retire like the poor guy like just sat next to me I started like lev- like laying all this on him <laughs> like I was there like actually I'm gonna have to go home now and get a whole new career and da 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 and like I, I was probably I was 26 or something <laughs> and um he just turned around to me really sensibly and he said oh but like from from basically something along the lines of butcher you've been world champion, which means you're really good and that doesn't go anywhere. So why would your career be over because you had one bad race? It's only a race, like something along those lines. And it was so utterly sensible, but also re- like he wasn't doing it to talk me down. He was, do- that was the reality. Like, and that was the reality. The reality was it was a terrible race and it was devastating but it was one race. It didn't define me. It didn't define that all of a sudden I'm useless at running. Um, and he was so sensible about it. And he was just like, you know, like you just probably need to like enjoy it and go back and race again and just race fast again. And I was just there. Right. And this was a guy who like, from what I knew, knew absolutely nothing about going on a track. Like, and you know, sailing is such a completely different sport and sailing is a very patient sport. Like you have to, be very patient and calm. And that's what he is. And after that flight, we stayed in touch. And, you know, then we did start like dating each other after that and hanging out and all that kind of crack. But actually he had such an influence on my career because he, from that point on, and he was very genuine from him, you know, he'd just be saying, um, like, I fe- I really felt like I thought about retiring and I didn't. But if I didn't retire, I wanted to be back, but be better than I ever was before and enjoy it more than I ever enjoyed it. And he was so influential in that because anytime the pressure or stress would start to come on, I would just say to him, I'm like, I feel a bit stressed about this now. And he'd be like, yeah, but the reality is this. And I'm like, okay. And and I had the best two years of my career the, those next two years. But he gave you balance too, didn't he? Because you said he, you know, you had the crack in those couple oh. of years. That was fun too. We had so much fun. Like literally he'd be like, okay, what's the race plan? And I'd tell him and he'd be like, Okay, um, so funny, like he'd be there. I remember running a race in Italy. He's like, I'm actually um, moving a boat that I'm sailing in a competition in Italy. So what I'll do is I'll just swing by your race in Italy 
And like he'd turn up like and he'd have, he'd be have a trailer with this boat on it and he'd show up in whatever hotel I was initially really late at night with a boat and be like, Eric, you'll have a bit of crack now tomorrow at the race. And, you know, he was just always, we always had, it was like the races were brilliant, but the races had to be fun. Like, and he just got back to having the crack with that. And my coach, Sean and, and Peter would have gotten on really well. I joke since I've retired that like Sean is now friends with Peter and not me. Like he's much more interested <laughs> in having the crack with Peter. But um, yeah, we just had so much fun with it. And he actually, the next year, I, I didn't actually say this to you the other day, he when I was going to World Championships, so I was going from an Olympics that I completely bombed in to the Worlds the following year where nobody would have rated me for having any chance at all of doing anything. And uh, he made a bet with me because he knew I wanted a puppy. And he was like, um, if you break your Irish record and make top eight, which I'd never done at an outdoor World Championships, and I was really ranked really low, he was like, I'll totally get you a puppy. And um, I was there, seriously like, and he was there, swear, I swear to you, I'll get you a puppy. So the whole time coming up to Worlds, like he knew I was under pressure and he never talked about the racing. He's just be like, what kind of puppy now would you want? <laughs> and like all we talked about was this dog. You could use this for Daphne, you know. I know. It's, it was like him dealing with a child. And, um, I love it. I ended up, I ended up totally kind of outdoing the shape I was in. And I ended up running an Irish record, making the final and coming fourth and just missing a medal. And please say you got the puppy. Yeah, all the press afterwards were like, are you devastated? Fourth is the hardest position. You had such a hard time last year at the Olympics. And I was like, oh my God, I'm getting a puppy. Can you believe it? Um, and that puppy is here now beside me, sleeping. Oh, now, she's now lovely. an older lady. She's 11. Oh. And uh, her name is Berlino because the mascot at that World Champs was Berlino. So she is a Berlino Labradoodle. So yeah, it's, uh, he's had a very, very positive influence on my career. And the shared experience, the fact that you're both Olympians, has that, has that helped that he understands? Um, or are the sports so different? His sport is so different. It's like almost a different, um, it's like a different industry. It's good in terms of, he's very practical. You have to be very practical when you're sailing a boat because there's a huge logistic element where you're trying to get a boat from one place in the world to another place. You're trying to get yourself there. You're trying to figure all that out. So he would be very practical. Um, and even now with my work, he would be very practical I'd be saying oh like I'm very creative so I'd be like I'm doing this journal and it's so beautiful and you know I've used this designer like Belinda Northcote and so beautiful and he'd be kind of saying okay what's the quantity well, who's printing it and yeah yeah he, he genuinely asked me that the other day he's like where's the printers located like when do, when do they get them to the office what's the packaging situation <laughs> I'm just there yeah. can you just look at but the, it looks nice it's so beautiful <laughs> so yeah it works it, it still works to this day the last moment you've chosen is not getting a job you applied for. <laughs> so when when did you retire? How old were you when you retired roughly? I retired from track in 2014. I had I had a major surgery on my Achilles in 2013 and I rehab back, got back to the point where I could run flat out over hurdles and I knew I could still do it. And then I made a decision to walk away. And part, one of the things I did right before I announced that publicly was I applied for a job. And the job, bear in mind now, I had applied for so few jobs in my life at this point. Like I waitressed as a teenager. I worked telesales during my career when I was broke. Um, outside of that, I hadn't really done, uh, I'd done one other job that I was volunteering um, just to get some experience. And so I applied for a job that I thought I was really well positioned for. It was within sport, you know, I'd had my sport experience and it was within 
the Olympic sports. So I was like, okay, I'm really well positioned here. Obviously, I have, I have a little bit of a name, so they'll know me. And I didn't even get an interview. I just got a letter back saying that I'd been unsuccessful. Um, and I remember being, in one way, not surprised, but in another way, really devastated because I was transitioning away from that world as a competitor. And I had never considered that I wouldn't be given an opportunity to work in it in another way. And I suppose that's why one would have been one of the reasons why I would have continued on and done my master's. And I, you know, I had, I had kind of just finished writing my first cookbook as well at that point. So I felt I was very rounded. Which was a bestseller. Like, yes, such a success. Yeah, Yeah, thank God. But um, I I remember when I pitched that actually saying, look, well, I don't think I said to them, but I was like, even if just my mom buys it, like I'll be delighted (laughs) because the integrity of it is really good. The (laughs) recipes are fabulous. But um, thankfully, more than my mom bought it. But um, yeah, so I think the big lesson in that for me was I really felt like that was the natural progression of my life at the time. I'm like, that actually would have been, and my husband says it all the time. He's like, imagine if you had gotten that job, it would have been so bad. Like it just would not have suited you. Um, and you, he just doesn't think I would have stayed in it long term. So I ended up um, for a little bit of time working in rugby, which was amazing because it was a completely different sport. It was a team sport. And the experience I got working with the rugby players and doing a lot of career stuff with them about what they wanted to do long term was massive for me. Um, I absolutely loved it. And it just really motivated me to start my own business and to work for myself. And actually, probably around that time, I started writing my column as well in the examiner. Like it wasn't too much longer after that. And I, I just, then, yeah. I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have done the riskier things if I had gotten that safer job. And in, so I think when that happened, it basically was like, you can't take other people's opinion of you as what you are. You have to be like, okay, they don't want me to do that, but that doesn't mean I'm not valuable. Um, and I really just started backing myself again. Actually, that disappointment made me made me back myself. Instead of going the other way and instead of it ruining my confidence, it actually made me going, they're not seeing what they sh- I believe they should see. And I will be very successful and fulfilled in whatever I do. And I think that's But for key. someone else that doesn't have that inner confidence, they would curl into a ball potentially at that. But that's why I'm bringing it up because I think it yeah. happens, people. And I think particularly women, I think when you put your hand up for something you want and when you don't get it, you're often not getting it, not because you're not good enough. There's often lots of other things at play you don't even realise. And I think you cannot let that beat you down. Um, Women take it personally, don't they? Can't take it personally. So I probably took it personally in terms of used it as fuel to motivate myself. Um, But I never let it dictate my opinion of me. And I think, you know... That was part. That was 2013, 2014, and I still don't. I'm like m- the most important opinion is my own opinion, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But I mean I have to live in my own head all day long, and I'll be with myself my entire life. So I have to value myself and have a high opinion of myself, and I think everyone needs to do that. And at times that will falter, and certainly this year during COVID and everything, I found that harder to do. But yeah, I think we all depend so much on other people for our sense of self. And if I had gotten that job, I would have been happy that they told me I was good enough. I would have gone in. I would have been very much 
going along and uh, in that same small world in the same world that I had been in for a long time and I wouldn't have been out of my comfort zone I wouldn't have had to reinvent myself and I wouldn't have had to sit down and be have those very honest conversations with myself about going what do I want to do like I'm 32 I've done this for a lot like what what makes me want to get up in the morning and do it and actually all the stuff I started doing you know writing the column with you guys like I loved it it never felt like work um doing the cooking creating all that stuff and then eventually moving on to the digital side of things with the site like it's never felt like work it feels busy all the time and um it feels like I'm juggling but it doesn't feel like this is a hard job and had you gotten that job potentially Durable.ie wouldn't be there. Your website wouldn't be there. Oh, no, I don't think it would be there. And I think I would still, I don't know where, I actually, well, I have no idea where I'd be, but it was a great thing. So I think people, we all, I think we often deal with failure um, badly. And I think to take that as a sign of that's not meant for you and you will find your way and to just get a little bit more resilient again, I think is a good thing. And it's not possible to live a life without stress or challenges. None of us do. And I think growing from them is incredibly important. And I would not change that for anything, not getting that job. I'm so glad I didn't. Talk to us then about what you created, Durville.ie. And I know you've mentioned a, a journal that you've just created <laughs> as well as part of it. Yeah, so Durville.ie was this, honestly, it was this passion project where I felt like I wanted this home of online, like this little home online where people who want to do simple things to feel better, whether it was like fitness, whether it was food, whether it was some mindset, that that would be a place for them to do it. And from that, it's been live almost two years. We have over 8,000 members on site. And it is just such a busy place for healthy lifestyle and community. Like that's the massive thing that I underestimated, but I utterly appreciate on it, the community side of it. So like we have a private members group, there's like 60, there could be like 60, 70 individual posts a day talking about how their people's days are going. And like, it's not always the good stuff. It's like if people are struggling, um, if I'm struggling, I'll often put stuff up there. And it's just about bringing people together. So I use a lot of different experts. Um, I use fitness coaches. I have a great girl who's just started doing mindfulness, use different food coaches. And it's about putting them there, making them accessible, making the information accessible and doable, and then supporting each other. So it's been fab. And then just for my sins, I, I've always wanted to do a journal. I've always, always wanted to do it. And I loved my homework journal in school. I had a diary throughout my career and I just said it to my business partner a few months ago. I said like, we're, all the time I create these workbooks on Derville.ie and I get try and get people to print them. So like it could be a shopping list, it could be a portioning guide, it could be goal setting, um, it could be anything, but ideally it's a helpful tool for people. And I was saying, I think we could put the most popular workbooks into a journal. So it's almost like a homework journal for health and put in 12 months into it. And then, but then I wanted it to be beautiful. And I love um, the artist Belinda Northcote. You probably know her stuff. She's got the positivity tree. And um, I said to Greg, I was like, I think we should just talk to Belinda Northcote and put the positivity tree on the front because the positivity tree and all the words on it kind of sum up what people are like on derville.ie, the members, kind of their journeys. 
So, yeah, I just started doing it. Um, literally from at home during COVID, I just started sketching things out, writing things out, went through every single page. Um, so I feel like the 156 pages might be burned into my soul at this point because it's just arrived today. Um, but I love it. It's a really nice addition to membership. It's like it's like taking all that online and putting in offline and something you can hold. And like, I know with us and with the paper, like, like I always buy the examiner on a Saturday and I'm not just saying it right because we're Yay. on the podcast. I promise you I'm not, but I always buy it so I can hold it. And with um, Derville.ie, I very much value what we have online. Like it's absolutely amazing and it's extremely important to me and to our members, I hope. Um, but I wanted to put something that they could hold in their hands. So um, yeah, there's, yeah, so it's just been exciting. So what we'll do is we're, anybody who's an annual member who joins an annual membership is gets it for free, posted to them um, and the packaging and everything. And then I think we're selling it as well on, we have a little e-commerce shop where we're selling actually Belinda's Positivity Tree printed and framed as well because it's gorgeous and I feel like everyone should have it in their life. Um, and my books are on there too. So it's shop.derval.ie. So yeah. Sounds like the perfect Christmas present. The we'll perfect. Throw that in there. Perfect ho, ho, ho present. Um, Derva, thanks for your honesty and especially <laughs> everything you talk about with motherhood. It's oh. stuff that we just don't talk about enough. And I do think it really helps and supports women. I hope just so. Just like what your website does too. So thank you, Derva. Well, Vicky, thank you for having me. I'm delighted. It's great to have the chat. Oh, I love the chat. Thanks to Derva Work for talking to us today. Sound and editing are by JJ Vernon. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.